This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Hello, and welcome to Flourish with me, Tiffany Boyd. This is a podcast where we explore what it means to live with intention. I'm a mom to three beautiful boys, a wife, a friend, an entrepreneur, and so many other things. When my dad passed, I made a commitment to myself to live with intention. For years afterwards, I struggled with discovering what that meant. I felt uncomfortable giving myself permission or even figuring out how to honor that. What I do know and believe is that where attention goes, energy flows. This show will explore what it means to live with intention, seek to inspire you, and bring practical tools through stories and interviews that you can use to change your own life. Thank you for joining me and this wonderful community of women as we raise our vibration, honor ourselves, and live intentionally. Hello and welcome back to the Flourish Podcast, a podcast where we explore what it means to live with intention. And today I am thrilled because we have a guest, Bridget Johns. And Bridget is a city girl that moved to the country, vowing it will just be a two-year stint, then married a farmer. She now happily lives on a sheep and cereal farm with her husband and two children on the York Peninsula of South Australia. For the first 16 years of her career, she worked in state government and regional development roles, supporting economic development, well-being and engagement initiatives in education, workforce and skills development, and export and investment projects. In 2019, she asked herself a big, bold, and audacious question. If time and money were no object, what would I do? Bridget said, be a professional organizer. So she jumped off the traditional career trajectory and followed her dreams and launched Be Simply Free a professional organizing and declutter coaching business in March of 2020, just before the pandemic started. Be Simply Free exists to teach women to reduce their mental load by decluttering their homes, phones, calendars, and minds so they can find more space in their homes and find time in their calendars to collect moments, not things. Welcome, Bridget. Thank you for for having me. Well, why don't we dive in and tell us a little bit about how you made this bold, audacious, I love that choice to become a professional organizer and declutterer. Yeah, so I never expected to own my own business. Um, My parents are school teachers and I assumed a career in local or state government was where I would go for security. Um, And I actually studied a food science degree. (laughs) So that was my background. Uh, And then I moved to the country and met my husband three months later. I actually moved to the country vowing to never kiss a country boy, never date a country boy and never live on a farm. Um, And I just prove every day that never say never because um, the world has some different ideas uh, for you. So 16 years later, I live on the York Peninsula of South Australia. So if you look at a map of Australia, I'm in the middle down the bottom and there's a little leg that's the York Peninsula. So that's where I'm based. But after having my two kids, I have a 10-year-old and an eight-year-old. I was in a role that uh, was required to move to our capital city of Adelaide to continue in that role. And I just realized that, I didn't want to leave our farm and I didn't want to leave the lifestyle we have here. So I um, 
after many tears and thoughts of what I could do, I thought, what, what do I love? If time and money were no object, what would I do? And I've always loved organizing. I've always loved um, trying to simplify the way I do things to free up my time. And I started a Facebook and an Instagram page called Farmer's Wife Minimalist Life. And people were interested in those tips and tricks. So I thought, what about um, turning that into a business and working one-on-one -on -one with people to help them live that intentional life and live a decluttered life? And that's how it slowly built up. I've um, got degrees in yeah, food science, community development, um, my master's of business administration, and I use all those skills to help others to project manage their life. That's what I've always done in my career to project manage business projects, but we can flip it and use all those skills to help people to look after their life. And I feel like that's something we focus more on our work life than our home life, but let's streamline our home life so we can have more time to collect moments, not things with the people that are most important to us. I love that. And I love the way that you link this concept of mental load. And I've heard it referred to as well as the mother load, the idea that our space, our physical space affects our personal well-being. What are your thoughts on this? Definitely. Um, if we think of the way women have evolved and culture has evolved as well, um, women predominantly were taking on more of a mothering load and looking after the family and the home. But slowly we've um, become more empowered and we have more freedom to do different things and different work and um, have wonderful careers. But sometimes in our head and society tells us we still need to carry the load for the washing, the cleaning and all those things. And that becomes our mental clutter and all that mental load we're carrying on um, on board to, to run our home, to run our businesses, to look after our kids and family. Uh, and I really encourage people and clients to look at decluttering their whole life. So not just their physical environment, but their, their homes, their phones, their calendars and their minds and working with other people in their life to declutter some of that mental load and share the load um, and work together. So the whole family is involved in running the household. It's, it's no longer a women's responsibility. It's a whole family. So my 10-year-old, my eight-year-old and my farmer husband, we're all working together as a team so we can all free up time in our lives so we can do um, things together and on our own so we can all flourish and enjoy our lives. I love that. And I know I also have a, a young family and not necessarily a farmer husband, but we live in the country as well. And so there's lots of chores and certainly lots to share. However, I do find it hard to, um, to create that sense of team and shared responsibility, particularly because I've been doing it for so long. So how do you make that shift? How do people do that successfully? They do it slowly. And it's about taking those baby steps to make it happen. So we can't click our fingers and expect everything to change and to take everything out of our mind and everyone to mind read what we have done for years or, or more. So it's taking those baby steps. And we start by having a family meeting. So when our kids were, I think they were about four and six. So one was in kindergarten and one had just started school. We actually sat down together and had one as the chairperson and one as the secretary. So just writing down some silly scribbling notes, but just empowering them to have a say in how our family runs and what's happening and as it's as much about all of us sharing how we're feeling um, and particularly as mothers we can share how holding this mental load or doing all the things is affecting us 
we all actually have 1,440 minutes in our day. So if we expect ourselves as a, a wife or um, a mother to do all the work, we're going to crown our day and not have time to sleep and enjoy ourselves and do all the other jobs we need. But as a family of four, that's four times the time. So if we can all have a chat and see what things we like to do and what um, we want to take ownership over, we can split up the jobs and um, give it a go of trying new things. And it's all about, um, I talk to my children and husband about we trial things and give things a go because it's not always going to work perfectly to start with, but we try something, then reassess and see what's going to work for the long term. So for example, for the last 15 years, is I've always changed the toilet rolls and it's these little silly things the mental load that builds up but that's simply a task that uh, an eight or ten year old can do but it's a matter of sitting down and explaining when you see that toilet roll uh, basket that sits next to the toilet get down to one or no toilet rolls you can take the lead and to fill them up without me asking you to do it so it's it sounds simple in a way, but it also involves reinforcing and reminding sometimes and slowly over time, these habits build into all of our lives and it's a little bit of mental load reduced from us um, as well. So we also have family meetings on a Sunday, uh, particularly with my husband um, each week. Sometimes we include the kids and just map out what our week looks like. As a farmer, we can have seeding or harvest time, which means he's gone around the clock and I'll take on an extra role there. If I'm launching a course for my business, I'll be super busy. So he'll take on an extra load of things around our home. But if we're both clear about what we need to do in our week, we can map out who's picking up kids, who's making tea that day. And it's all written down and on paper rather than holding it up in our heads. I love that. And I love how intentional and thoughtful you are in that pursuit. And I think sometimes we mistake kindness or giving or caring as doing everything for, and what ends up happening inevitably is we end up becoming quite burnt out or resentful. And sometimes the greatest kindness is just being very honest about what we need and empowering the people around us to step into those roles, giving them an opportunity. I also appreciate the idea of taking it slowly because I think where some people start uh, from, you know, zero expectations to really wanting to have people in their family, their family members engaged in team, it can be a bit daunting. So what are some of the systems that you set up around the home where you recommend a client to start to get going? If you've done nothing, how do you start? Where do you start? Yeah. So when you start with all my clients, I talk about stop, focus, notice. So my clients hear it over and over again, stop, focus, notice, stop, focus, notice. That involves stopping what you're currently doing and really looking at what's happening. And then you need to focus on the issue or concern that's coming up and really get deep into it. So like literally write it down on a piece of paper, talk to your husband or kids about this issue, because a lot of the time they're not even realizing it is a problem or an issue. And then, um, and notice what your options are for solving it. So think about some low time um, options, some high time options, low cost, high cost, write them all down. So you've got a list to choose from. And then it's about trying one of those different things and giving it a go and seeing if it works for you and your family. Again, talking about trialing something first. So it's not as daunting for, for people um, to do the change because change is hard and we're creatures of habit and we want to do the same thing over and over again. 
can. So for example, something that was causing me a lot of um, annoyment, uh, annoy, annoyed me every time was the kids would come in from school, they would come in the, the carport door and they would just dump their school bags on the kitchen floor in the kitchen dining room area. And my plan was I wanted them to take them to their bedrooms each day, which was a long trek through our house, almost the opposite end of the house. And that just wasn't practical and wasn't going to work. So I could have kept going with that, pestered them forever to make that change and take them to their bedrooms. But when I stopped focus notice, I saw how they moved through the home and saw, thought if I could adjust what my expectations were so we could come up with um, an in-between option. So we were able to declutter the, the buffet, a little cupboard which had some drawers in our dining room and we got rid of excess clutter excess platters and cutlery and we turn that into our school bag storage so it's the first cupboard they come to when they come into the house they put their bag in there there's pens and pencils where the cutlery used to be and the kitchen tables there so they can do their homework so it's more practical for us so the bags are next to where they're doing their homework it's quick and easy option from as soon as they come in their house so it's about compromise and find a solution that works for everyone and see if you can do that multiple times in different areas or different pain points in your home Amazing. Yeah, I had a number of people reach out when I asked for questions to talk about what they've, many of them have referred to as drop zones or the junk drawer. Uh, someone talked about the island in their kitchen because it's an open space ends up just holding everything. And it's usually those little miscellaneous things that we don't necessarily have a spot for. And I think most kitchens, even friends I know that are designing kitchens and building have built a junk drawer in. What are, yes. your, what are your thoughts about this? How do we manage the junk drawer stuff? Yes, I call them launch pads to take it a bit away from the, the junk drawer, but it is that home. And we talk about those miscellaneous things. The key point before you have a junk drawer set up any systems is everything needs to have a home. So if you really truly want to have it in your home, it needs to have a home to go to. And if you're struggling to find a home for it, maybe it's a clue that it's something that doesn't need to live in your home. So for us, we have junk drawer slash um, launch pad and we each have that. So our kids are the school bag launch pad. That's their sort of um, junk drawer and miscellaneous things can go in there. And for me, my junk drawer is in my island bench. So when we set up our kitchen, I had a drawer that's where my handbag goes. It's where the tissues and the wipes go, the spare keys go, the electrical cords uh, for charging devices and those miscellaneous things go in a little basket in there as well. It just means that I can keep my island bench clear because that's where the food preparation area is. Same with my husband being a farmer. He will come in. Our back door is in, in Australian country areas. Uh, a farmhouse, the back door is normally the front door and that leads into the kitchen. So he'll come in from working. He'll take his hat off, his sunglasses off and dump everything out of his pockets on my island bench. And you can imagine who knows what is on a farmer's stuff that's coming out of their their pockets and I didn't want that on my island bench and potentially affecting the food we're eating so what we did was stop focus notice and make a change that is not normal for other people so I encourage you to set your home up for your family not your visitors so we actually made the traditional drawer that's your cutlery drawer so the first one in a, a row of three or four drawers that is now my husband's junk drawer because it's the first drawer he will come past when he walks in the house so steps one foot into our home he can reach in dump his hat his keys 
miscellaneous things from the farm into that drawer and our cutlery drawer becomes the second drawer down, which is probably traditionally where the utensil drawer is. It annoys all our visitors when they come and look for uh, a knife or a fork, but we live in our home 95% of our time versus visitors visiting 5% of the time. So you want to set your home up to suit you first before your visitors. So um, have a think if there's certain places that can um, hold that junk drawer and it is a space boundary. So when that space is full, you need to take the time. Um, I'll clean out my junk drawer and my husband will clean out his and the kids will clean out theirs, taking the responsibility and empowering them to make choices of what can stay and go in those spaces. So it's a continual process. Little things always come in and little things will always need to be decluttered. I love that term space boundary, because that was naturally where my mind was going next, because I find in our home, we set up a lot of systems, but inevitably there's a lot of maintenance in maintaining the system and it works really well, but it's not effortless. And so having the space boundary, or like you're describing a certain amount of space allocated once it's full, then it's time. That's the trigger to look and evaluate. So how do you decide what to keep, what to throw out. We're so emotionally attached to certain things. I know every year I struggle with, for example, Christmas cards. Do I keep them in a box forever? Do I throw them out, even clothes? I think there's this, um, there's, there's an emotional connection to items. And so having some strategies to fall back on to know what to keep and what to, to donate or get rid of is very helpful. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it is, it is not a cookie cutter approach. There are different ways for different people and the different level you are up to in your decluttering journey. And I talk to clients about decluttering being a muscle. And if you think of running a marathon, you can't just go run um, 42 kilometers um, and run a marathon. You need to start by doing a training and start walking and then start to run and then build it up and build it up. And you need to do the same thing with decluttering. So having a think about what's um, some easy things to make choices about Um, potentially some paperwork. For example, if you can access some paperwork online, do you really need to keep a paper version of it if there's another way to access it? And that's more of an easy choice of staying or going. But when we get to more of the sentimental items, they're a harder choice to decide if they stay or go because there is that emotional attachment to them. I like to remind clients that nothing is special if everything is special. So having a look through different items that you have. So for example, thinking about your wedding I don't have I didn't have an attachment to my wedding dress so it had lived up stored in a beautiful storage for seven years and I'd never opened it um, and never looked at it so when I looked through all our wedding memorabilia I decided to donate my wedding dress to an organization in Australia called Angel Gowns and they use wedding dresses and make them into little gowns for children that have passed away either before birth or from stillbirth so the families could have a little treasure for their child and I I felt that was a better use of my resources in a wedding dress that someone else could benefit from it than keeping it stored in a cupboard for we'd be now married um, 12 years. So, but I've kept my wedding veil and it's actually sitting behind me um, in the back of this video. And if I love something enough, I have it on display. I've got my dress from my 30th there and I've got um, my wedding veil. And if anything that my daughter may potentially wear and she doesn't have to, I feel like a wedding veil is a better option than, than a wedding dress. It reduces the clutter and I'm a big believer in displaying what you love. So 
if you love it enough to keep it, pop it on display or have it somewhere people can see it. So, for example, um, I always felt that when I was older and grew up, I wanted to have a a library in my home, a, a room that was full of books. I absolutely adore books and read um, as many as I can. Uh, but I decided that I didn't want to have physical books in my home. I read fiction once and then don't read the same book twice. So I didn't see the value in owning all these books. And we have a wonderful library system here in South Australia that if I see a new book that I want to borrow, I can log on and borrow it from any library in South Australia and it'll be delivered to my local library. So our family would borrow hundreds, not if not thousands of books a year. So we can still access all those books, but it's not living in my home as clutter. So what we did, we built that bookcase and that was the plan, but now we display all the beautiful things we love in our lounge room. So I've got my cross stitch in there, which is a a hobby I've taken up to um, have some me time. My husband's a massive Elvis Presley fan. So we've got some of his memorabilia there, which I think is absolutely disgusting and not very pretty, but it's about displaying things people like. We've got all our photo albums there so the kids can pull them down and look at them at any moment in time. So all those beautiful memories we have are on display that we can access and use and enjoy at any moment in time. So I really encourage people to Stop, focus, notice, see what's important to them. Are you hiding it away? Can you declutter some other things in your home so you can make space to showcase and see those beautiful things more often? Amazing. And I think there are, there are common things that we all have in our home, whether it's cleaning supplies or bath supplies or towels or those sorts of things, even the stuff that we keep in our kitchen cabinets. Are there approaches or strategies that you have that might help us keep things more organized and allow us to use things better and not kind of lose stuff in the back recesses of closets or cupboards? Have a think about, is there one thing that could be used for multiple purposes? So under our kitchen sink, we actually just have a scrap bucket for our chooks. Um, So, and then we just have our dishwashing liquid and a um, sink dishwashing um, liquid as well. So for our dishwasher and the sink, and that's it. We don't actually have anything more in there. And then we keep some storage in our laundry for some spray and wipe. But is there one item that can do multiple things um, for your home? And have a think about if you've got a two-story home, having two Um, cleaning launch pads so you can go to one place and access your cleaning supplies on each level of your your home so it's easier to find but really stop focus notice and see what you actually need are you watching something on tiktok or instagram that's telling you you need this item to wash this and that and just building up a bigger supply and more clutter that you need to carry around have a really good think about what you want in your home and maybe less is more for for what you want to do Um, and you don't have to fill your spaces either we are coming Uh, that people feel like they need to get bigger, better, more homes and have more things and more bedrooms and more floors on their homes. But maybe uh, there's less cleaning to do. If you've got a smaller home, there's more time you can spend with your family. If you're in a smaller space, there's probably more interaction between your family too. So don't get caught up in that, keeping up with the Joneses that you need more, more, more. Because if you stop focus notice, you might find um, a less space or um, less cleaning will be much better for you and your family. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I totally agree. 
I have been slowly over the last number of years intentionally, I wouldn't say that we're anywhere near minimalist because we're not with three kids, but getting rid of excess things. And I can't express how much weight has been lifted off my shoulders to not have to worry, even in choosing whether it's a a knife to use for cooking. The fact that I'm not choosing between 20 and I have three and each have a purpose has reduced the mental load for me immensely in ways I can't describe. One of the questions that I had is around some of the things that we should plan for in terms of cycles. Like, are there things that we should always be mindful that we do every so often to help make sure that we've got a system in place to keep us on track? Because I think if we can sort of schedule these things out and have a reliable system and schedule, it will help us maintain things. And I know it's something I've played with, but I haven't really mastered myself. So I'm curious what your thoughts are about that. Yeah, so we need to think about clutter as sort of everyday clutter and accumulated clutter. So we need to have strategies in place to look after the everyday clutter. So everyday clutter is things like um, the kitchen benches getting um, messy and lived in from breakfast and lunch and dinner, Um, having your meal plans organized so you know what food's coming in and out um, of your home and making the most of it so we're not wasting it. The laundry always needs to be done each week. So that's going to be happening every week or um, every um, couple of days. So what strategies are we putting in place to look after that and look after ourselves on um, a daily basis? So I talk about a um, habit tracker that I use and each day I encourage um, people to think about making space for me time in their day. It could be um, five minutes uh, or more. Uh, 1% of our day is actually 14.4 minutes. So when we say we're too busy to do things, if you can think about that less than 15 minutes is 1% of your day, can you try and find at least 15 minutes of your day for yourself and you're not having um, to do everything for everything else? So me time is the first thing I encourage everyone to make space for in their day exercise in their day we need to look after ourselves Um, we're normally the last person that we look after and exercise can drop off but exercise is really important to give us the energy to do all the things we need to do I encourage clients to also um, make their bed Uh, I haven't I didn't do that till about five years ago but by having one thing ticked off your to-do list and particularly if we're spending more time at home with remote learning um, and working from home we're probably walking past our bedroom a bit more and to see a clear space in our bedroom is always better to have a clear mind. I encourage people to to drink water um, every day. Sometimes we can get caught up with um, caffeine overload to to give us that kickstart and um, give us the energy, but it's really the water and making sure we're um, hydrated that will give us the energy to do all the things and that kitchen cleanup. So if we can focus on me time, exercise, make your bed, um, drink the water and have your kitchen clean up, that can give you the foundation to stay on top of the, the everyday stuff and give you your the energy to do the work. And then it's coming up with patterns that suit your home on a weekly basis that um, everyone can take ownership over different elements of that. So what does your laundry schedule look like? We have um, three school uniforms for our children, three school tops for them to wear each, um, each day for school. 
if we think of the amount of clothes we have, those three school tops are used 200 days a year on a normal school year if they're going to school um, every day. Um, but it also makes us think if we can use three school tops for 200 days a year, how much do we really need in our wardrobe? And we can reduce the amount of stuff we have in there as well. So um, yeah, have a look at what your laundry schedule looks like. We wash our clothes every two days. We have a certain day that we do our um, sheets and towels. And I think you talked about that in a past podcast episode, having those systems in place. My 10-year-old and 8-year-old are capable of putting a load of washing on. So that doesn't have to be a mum's responsibility to do. My husband can wash clothes as well. So what are those weekly schedules you want to put in place that um, can support your family? And then we want to um, pepper in some fun as well. So we schedule um, monthly family fun time. So it's literally picking a day of the month. We pick the 24th of the month as our wedding anniversary. And regardless if it's a weekday or weekend, we do something fun as a family. So it's all well and good to have all these tasks that need to be done, but we want to have some mini rewards in there to, to keep everyone motivated. So we'll have a, a family fun day um, once a month and then we'll plan an annual family holiday. And then there's the other things like we do uh, every six months, we clean our carpets in our home. Um, and then I don't really have a schedule for like washing our curtains or anything. Sometimes I just take that on as when they start to look dirty, we'll wash them. Being a farm, it can get very dusty out here. So some of those things are more ad hoc. And when I notice them, I plan them into the following week um, or the next couple of days. So it's a bit of schedule and a bit of flex about what, what works in people's homes. And as I said, there's no cookie cutter approach that will work for everyone. Everyone needs to stop, focus, notice and take the time to think and work out what could work for them. Yeah, I love I love how in being intentional even about managing and running the home and those life tasks it how much it creates space for so many other things and I love that your approach includes the connection to self-care and family and fun because they are all very connected because one does impact the other. So to intentionally incorporate them is just brilliant. Uh, and part of what I very much love about the content that you share as well. Um, so what are some of the, like you've worked with a number of clients now since 2020, what are some of the biggest transformations you've noticed in people as they've gone through this journey of intentionally trying to declutter and organize their homes? Yeah, so my favorite way to work with people is over three months. So a lot of professional organizers can come into your home and work with you, say, over a, a two or four hour period and help you do the physical decluttering and move things on. But sometimes I find that method doesn't make the mind shift, uh, mindset shift and sometimes that clutter can reappear. So by working with people over uh, a three month period over Zoom, we set those goals, we set those intentions. Where do they want to be? What do they want to feel like in three months? time and that's the joy I get out of supporting people to declutter and reduce their mental load so I had one client um, who's on a farm as well she's 100 kilometers I'm not sure how much that is in miles but um, 100 kilometers from her nearest town and she was just being overwhelmed. She was feeling like um, it was all on her to do all these things there was toys overflowing in her lounge room 
Uh, and she felt that she wasn't being the mess mum she could be. There was uh, more yelling and that happens in my house sometimes too. But we worked together and came up with a strategy for decluttering her home. So over that three months, a lot of clients focus on a couple of rooms, but this client was able to actually declutter her whole house over a three-month period. And we started with her um, lounge room that was becoming the lounge room slash toy room. And she found when the kids had less toys to play with, they played deeper, they played longer, and they were able to tidy it up quicker, which meant there was more time for them to go outside and play together. And now they have every Sunday um, family fun time every Sunday because she's not having to clean all weekend and she's got a calmer home. Her kids um, are calmer. Her kids are doing more around their home. And sometimes we think we need to give kids and other people more gifts and more things. But what people truly want is our time. And if we can all work together as a family, it frees up that time to spend it together. So, yeah, she was um, blown away by how much uh, having less stuff actually made her kids happier and then they could do more fun things together. And they were using the camper trailer more. So they were able to go on more holidays on weekends because she was able to break down her cleaning into um, small 1% of her day, 15-minute um, periods of cleaning throughout the week. So it was freeing up her Saturday and Sunday to enjoy time with her family. So, yeah, she was able to find that less food in her cupboards meant she was being more intentional with making the meals and she wasn't wasting so much food as well. So it's just a joy to see people finding calm, happy, loving um, family time after decluttering not only their physical spaces but their mind and mental load as well. I so agree with all of that. We've found the same thing in our house that more toys did not produce more joy. It just created more chaos. And I love the way you connect the less toys, the more deeply they could play. We've also found that Um, and more space for creativity to play with the toys that they do have. I I totally agree. Um, That's so lovely because it is time. It is truly time that people want so this question and there's is actually lots of um, research and data that they've done on that. But if you think of walking into a shop that's full of all these different options, it's hard for our brains as an adult to think about what to choose. So let alone a manage, managing um, a child's brain, which is still developing. So if we give kids a few choices, choices always um, good and give them maybe a couple of options, they can choose what they play with and they can um, use more open-ended toys and use them in multiple ways rather than the, the plastic fantastic toys that tell them what to do and have one focus keep broad toys and the best toys in the world are sticks mud and water imagine all the different things you can do with those things so we've got tricked into the marketing spin that we need to have all the plastic fantastic but just jumping out your back door is the best playground um, and toy shop for kids I agree and I love that your philosophy and approach supports creating a more fulfilled life through making these conscious choices and being intentional and and creating more time with family, because really that's all that we want. This question's a little bit more, more personal and connected more to you and your decision, your conscious intentional decision to pursue this passion. How has that changed your life to move from a corporate role into being an entrepreneur, living an entirely different lifestyle, what changes have you experienced personally? I think I, yeah, I never expected to to do this and I've just loved it. I 
find that that success measure, I think society can trick us into thinking you need to, to be that lawyer, that accountant, that person jumping the career ladder. But you can choose what that life looks like. And we were very grateful and we worked intentionally when we were a bit younger to, to work hard and save and invest. So we can be in a position now that um, I'm at the moment earning a bit less than I was in my corporate, corporate roles, but I'm living a way better life. I value time more than money. And we, I wouldn't say we lead a simple life. We have um, a beautiful home, but we don't need a McMansion. We don't need all these extra things in our life. Um, We want to have more time to spend with our friends and our family. So traveling um, for work extensively is not on my radar. And hence why I love working with people over Zoom that I can connect with um, people like you in Canada or clients in Ireland or people around Australia in different states without having a, a minimum yeah, two-hour travel either way for me. So I think we need to rescope what success actually looks like for people. And as I said, time is a bigger um, measure for me of success and having more free time to do simple things like I used to do with cross-stitch when I was a child. I'd stopped that for 25 plus years, but when I saw I wanted to do something for me that didn't involve me touching my phone, I got out the cross-stitch again and made some space in my life for that and made some space to, to read, um, made some space to, to do exercise, one-on-one time with the kids and those family holidays with the kids as well. So, um, yeah, we need to stop keeping up with those Joneses and doing what everyone else thinks we need to do and do what lights us up and it is scary for other people to see us doing different things that, um, and um, sometimes it actually encourages them to try something different as well. So it's about being intentional with what you want your life to look like and take baby steps to make changes. Because as I said, I came up with this idea um, to be a professional organiser and mental load coach in, uh, what was it, May of 2019. I still had a full-time job until June, uh, July of 2020. And then I took on a three-day-a-week role um, to support me. It was the middle of a pandemic and starting a new business is a challenge. And now I continue to do two days a week as a grant writer as well as um, being a mental load coach because it uses my organising skills in a different way. Um, so I've got some stability of income while I build my business. So you don't have to jump out of your career straight away. You can take baby steps to, to build it and bring it to life. success. And I think that it's very much about our own values. And it's not about looking at these external things or sometimes, you know, polished versions of realities on social media, because those are really empty, empty if they're not aligned with your own values. And so it's about going inside and redefining what success actually means for you. And I'm very much hearing that time freedom is a massive one for you that you've clearly created an abundance of through being very intentional about how you choose and where you choose to spend your time. And you can see the joy emanating from you. So it's just such a lovely opportunity to speak to someone who's living their um, their own version of success to be such a great model. And I know many of my listeners are very interested in, in moving into a more intentional life. So thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate it. Was it scary? Because I think this is one of the questions I get more often than not, or where I find people feel the greatest resistance 
is that they're waiting for that perfect moment where everything's aligned and all the T's are crossed and all the I's are dotted. Was it like that for you or was there some discomfort stepping into this new, this new reality? Oh gosh, it was definitely uncomfortable and scary. So what actually happened, there was a change in our roles uh, in my government role and we moved from supporting workforce initiatives to supporting trade and investment roles. And I remember driving back and forward to our capital city of Adelaide and in tears with all this change because our bodies do not like change. And there was a quote that not all storms come to disrupt your past, some come to clear it. And that helped me um, to manage that uncomfortableness of I never expected this. I thought I'd stay in state government and I thought I'd stay in these quasi um, safe roles, which they, they never are. Things are always changing. But it was really those baby steps. Um, we had worked really consciously on working on our family budget and reduced a lot of our expenses. So that also helped us as well. We don't have 10 Netflix and streaming services accounts. We, we don't have lots of um, added subscription or extra costs there that we were able to know that stepping back from um, a higher paying role didn't mean we were going to lose the house or anything like that. So we definitely worked on that for a good three years before we got to this stage. So if, if anyone's looking to make some change, I'd really encourage them to, to look at their budget and how they're spending their money now to see if they can reduce some of those costs. But change is always scary. Uh, we naturally want to stay doing the same thing, but find a little community that works um, that's in a similar boat. I found that most of my friends were employees, so I didn't know anyone that had run their own business. So I reached out online and um, joined some different communities. I joined our um, Institute of Professional Organisers, our peak body for people in this industry so I could meet other people in this role. So I was very intentional and took those steps to understand what I was getting myself into, but then still shape it to suit me and with my online version of um, professional organising and mental load coaching. So I'd really encourage people to, yeah, to take that baby step and make one step forward. Sometimes you'll take three forward and one back, but to give it a go. And I had to remember that I'm a perfectionist. I call myself a recovering perfectionist. So learning to fail forward is a big thing for me. And you never know if you don't give it a go. So yeah, there's been times that I've put things out on social media or within my business and got crickets back. And that's all a learning experience as well. But most of the time now when something goes out, I've really thought about who my client is and what their pain point is and what they're wanting support with. So I can really serve the people that need my support so yeah give it a go um, try and hopefully you can reap the benefits of living with intention and finding more time fail forward I love that expression I've uh, I've reframed failure as well for myself as first attempt in learning because Excellent. when you when you accept failure as a reality that is going to be and you think about okay what's the worst thing and I can overcome that then you you need to do that to be prepared to step into something new. That's just, it's part of it, but fail forward. That's so brilliant. If there was one thing or like one specific tip or thing to consider for the people that are listening, if they're going to take away one thing and go home if, and, and implement something today, tomorrow, what would you suggest? I would encourage them to find 1% of their day. So that 14.4 minutes to stop, focus and notice. 
Um, it doesn't matter what it's on, but it's getting intentional about something that might be niggling at you and coming up with a plan for how you could um, make a change for the better for, for you and your family. So if it's those junk drawers or if it's the kids' toys, take some time to really um, focus on what the issue is and see if you can watch how people naturally flow around your home and release those expectations of you doing it all and empower others to support you to make changes in your home so you can all benefit from it. So take the time, make the change and adjust if you need to. I love it. Are there a, is there a book or a couple of books that you would recommend to the listeners, something that has really impacted you? I am a book lover. I've just finished listening to um, 52 or listening or reading books. Um, I'd really encourage people if they're not a big book reader, actually to get into audio books as well as a way to, um, to learn. Um, some books oh, off the top of my head. Um, I actually do have in my highlight section of Instagram, you can see all those um, 52 books I read in 2021. Untamed by Glennon Doyle, um, Glennon Doyle is a big one for, for people new to this um, mindset of making space for them to empower um, their whole family to move forward. And we do have an author here in Australia called um, Lorraine Murphy, and she was one of my personal business coaches. And she's got a book called Get Remarkably Organized. Uh, so it's actually tips for getting organized and um, trying new things. So, and I know that's available on Audible uh, as an audio book as well. So, if you want an Australian um, version, uh, they would be some new ones you probably haven't even heard of. And you can follow her on Instagram as well. I love it. And uh, for whatever reason, I seem to be very connected with people in Australia through my business and my podcast. And I've had um, a number of book recommendations from Australian authors and I'm just loving them. So thank you. If people want to work with you or follow you or get in touch, what's the best way to reach or follow you? Yeah, so my website is besimplyfree.com.au and you can see all the different ways we can work together. As I said, my favourite is one-on-one via Zoom and time zone is no issue. We can connect from anywhere in the world and help you to come up with that intentional plan to declutter your home, phone, calendar and mind. And then I also have an online course that will start in early March this year called Clear Clutter Find Time. So that'll be the videos to show you how to do it in a group environment. Um, and b.simplyfree is my Instagram handle and my favorite way to connect is sharing literally the daily happenings of what I'm doing on Instagram stories um, as well. So we've actually been intentional and bought a caravan. So at the moment, you'll be able to see how I'm organizing our caravan so we can go away at least once a month and collect moments, not things with my family. So it's as simple as possible for us to get on the road touch wood in these COVID times um, and enjoy some time with family and friends. So um, definitely jump onto Instagram stories and see what's happening. Send me a DM. Let me know what the biggest takeaway was. Um, I'd love to hear your feedback and what some of your pain points are and I'm happy to craft some social media content that suits what you're looking for as well. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being a guest today on the podcast. And thank you to everybody for taking one of the most valuable commodities your time and spending it here with Bridget and I today. As always, we hope you're flourishing lately. I'm gonna let it shine.